right, Matthew 25, we're down now to verse 31, so we're going to, speaking of a short evening maybe here, uh, we're going to just, I just want to finish the chapter tonight, uh, these last, from verse 31 down to 46, and then we can start fresh with chapter 26, because in chapter 26 we move now to the son of Abraham, Jesus Christ as the son of Abraham. Uh, up until this point, it's all been about him being the son of David. So now I just want to finish this and uh, just kind of remind ourselves of where we're at. And because this passage in chapter 30, in verse 31 to 46, verse 31, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. And this issue here about him sitting on the throne of his glory, uh, again, that's the throne of his father David, that's of David's throne. And uh, when we look at that issue here, there, there's some things that are going on timing-wise that are critical. And uh, we'll, um, so I want to kind of spend a little bit of time massaging that in, if you will, and uh, then um, we can go on from there. Uh, come back with me to Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 14. Jeremiah 14. When, when you're familiar with the Old Testament and you begin to see these terms run all through the Old Testament, Jeremiah 14 verse 20, and where he talks about the throne of his glory, um, Jeremiah 14, verse 20. We acknowledge, O Lord, our wickedness and the iniquity of our fathers, for we have sinned against thee. Do not abhor us for thy name's sake. Do not disgrace the throne of thy glory. Remember, break not thy covenant with us. Notice, the throne of thy glory is the throne of Israel. It's the throne in Israel, in Jerusalem. It's the throne of David. Um, if you flip back to chapter 3 of Jeremiah, Jeremiah 3 and verse 17, at that time they shall call Jerusalem the throne of the Lord. Jeremiah 3, 17. At that time they shall call Jerusalem the throne of the Lord, and all the nations shall be gathered unto it, to the name of the Lord, to Jerusalem, neither shall they walk any more after the imagination of their evil heart. Notice again, the throne of Israel, the throne of the Lord. So that he's talking about here is in the millennial kingdom. In that kingdom, Jerusalem is going to be the throne of the Lord. It's going to be the throne of His glory. Uh, come over to Psalms 106. It's literally going to be the place in the earth where His glory, the, the Shekinah glory, we call it, is going to abide. Uh, that outward manifestation of His presence. Psalms 102 is where you need to be headed to. Um, Psalms 102, I'm sorry, Psalms 102, uh, that, that, <clears throat> that outward manifestation of, of, his, of his presence, that blazing, brilliant demonstration of light, his glory, 
And people who are going to be cast out of that kingdom are said to be in that outer darkness where, the king, where in the kingdom is what? Light. So they're outside. Psalms 102, verse 16. Psalms 102, 16. When the Lord shall build up Zion, he shall appear in his glory. He will regard the prayer of the destitute and not despise their prayer. This shall be written for the generation to come. And the people which shall be created shall praise the Lord. There's going to be a time in the nation of Israel when that nation is scattered and it doesn't exist as a nation as it does anything about it today being over there. And that's why it says this is written for that generation, what? To come. So this is a, prof there's people that are, that shall, I, I love that, that, and the people which shall be created. <laughs> it's, hey, there, there's some people coming down the road. If you come over to Isaiah 66, thinking about that nation that shall be created. Isaiah 66, and look at verse 8. You see, that again, that word generation, uh, it means born ones, but it, and it has a meaning specific in Psalms 102 to that group of people at a specific time, uh, when you can also use it to generate and so forth as well. Look at Isaiah 66. Look at verse 8. Who hath heard such a thing? Who hath seen such things? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. See that? A nation be born, a nation be born at once. You know, we were talking about the 144,000. This just kind of dawned on me. They're going to kind of show up, what, at once. They're going to, ba-boom, be here. So you've got that issue that, that's transpiring here. So you have the throne of his glory. Uh, come back over to Daniel chapter 7. And the Son of Man is going to come and take up his kingdom reign. Now, that Daniel 7, that term, that, that title, the Son of Man, is a messianic title. It's a title that belongs to the Lord uh, as Messiah. Daniel 7, verse 13. And I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with clouds of heaven and came to the ancients of days, and they brought him near before me. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be, that which shall not be destroyed. So it's the Son of Man, uh, and when you come back to Matthew 25 now, it's the Son of Man that's going to come now, and he's going to, when the Son of Man shall come in His glory. Uh, over in Luke 19, it's the Son of Man that is being described as that nobleman when he goes off into a far country to receive the kingdom and return. That's what Matthew 25, 31 is talking about here. He's going to go, 
and he's going to get the kingdom, and he's going to come back, verse 31, and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. And before him, I'm in Matthew 25 now, if you're not there, verse 32, and before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. Now, again, he's going to come back with that, with the holy angels, that heavenly host. It, it, notice it doesn't say he comes back with the saints. Okay? In, in, in our exodus from planet earth, in the rapture, the Lord himself shall return, comes. He doesn't come back with the saints. The saints are resurrected up to him, caught up to him. The dead in Christ rise first, then we which are alive and remain are caught up. So you've got this whole thing going on. He's going to come back, and when he does, he's going to carry out what, we, what is called the judgment of the nations. Now, there are seven judgments in, the, in Scripture, and I want to put them up on the, here on the board uh, just so you can see them, hopefully. So and if you think about Daniel 9 and that 70 weeks, we start out over here, we go 69 weeks, and you have the crucifixion, okay, 69 weeks, and we're right here, right on the night before the crucifixion, okay? Then you have the Acts period. The Lord ascends into heaven. He shines down, says Paul of Tar Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus. Now we have the body of Christ. <clears throat> Sorry. Now we have the body of Christ. The body of Christ is going to get raptured out. There's a blank period of time. Then the 70th week starts. Okay. And it ends in the second coming. Then we have another period of time. Then we have the kingdom established. The thousand years rolls. Then we have the great white throne judgment. Now I put all that up there because we've got seven judgments to put on that timeline. Okay? The first comes, come over with me, you're in Matthew, right? To chapter 26. And verse 39, the first judgment is Calvary, is the cross, where Christ is going to die for sin and take care of the sin requirement. Matthew 26, 39, and he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. You see that issue about let the cup pass? Come over to Revelation chapter 14. Revelation chapter 14. Revelation 14 and verse number 10. <clears throat> the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels in the presence of the Lamb. Now, he's talking about, verse 9, anyone who worships the beast and his image and receives his mark in his forehead or in his hands. There's three things in that verse, in verse 9, that, kill, that kind of become like that unpardonable sin. You can't, there's no way out. One, they worship the beast 
and his image and receive the mark. Those three things. What's going to happen to them in verse 10? Well, they're going to drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of, of his indignation. That's the same cup that the Lord looked at in the garden back there. All right? He, he looks down into that cup. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21 talks about he who knew no sin was made sin for us, made to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the right. When he looks into that cup, judgment number one is Calvary. There's judgment number one. All right? Judgment number two. Down, set, hike. <laughs> right? What did, what did uh, Peyton Manning, uh, come over to second, or, uh, uh, Peyton Manning always said, Omaha, Omaha, okay. Second judgment. Boy, you guys wake up. It's all right. Get you out of the doldrums of, uh, of the events of today. Look, move over to 1 Corinthians 11. The second judgment is in here. As you and I walk, the second judgment is, one, is the believer's self-judgment today. Okay. Paul's going to say here in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 31, For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. So there's a, a self-judgment that we do by, in verse 32, But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. 1 Corinthians 11 Verse 31 and 32. Okay? By the way, this self-judgment issue, you, the judging here, where you judge yourself, if you come, uh, you're going to come back and you're going to look at your activity based, you're going to examine yourself, they say. Uh, he's going to say this back here in verse uh, 28, but let a man examine himself. Uh, again, we're thinking about the self-judgment. I know the passage is about the Lord's Supper, uh, the Lord's table, but uh, this is a self-examination. You're going to go over and, and look at it. And uh, he, he says back in chapter 2, uh, He that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. So you're going to look at yourself and you're going to say, is my activity in line with the doctrine? Self-judgment. Well, if your activity is not in line with the, with the doctrine, then you can come in and self-correct it. That's the chastening of the Lord there, verse 32. We, shall, we are chastened of the Lord. By the way, how does the Lord chasten us? 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction. So how do we get fixed? It isn't a preacher doing it. It's the word and it's us doing it. Now, if that doesn't fix it, verse 32 says, but when we are judged. So now that's when the brothers come. Galatians 6 verse 1, ye, ye that are spiritual... You see one overtaken in a fault, go to, and so forth, Galatians 6.1. So then, 
The brothers come. They don't bring opinion. They're bringing scripture and saying, hey, look, your activity's not matching. That's the reproof and the correction. It's not matching. And if they're the, those guys are there to help you, that's the point. Then the third mechanism of the self-judgment is that you just reject it all. And that's what Paul says there in 1 Corinthians 5, kick them out, get rid of them. Okay, so in the self-judgment, you've got three scenarios, all right? So judgment one, you've got the cross. Judgment two, you've got a self-imposed one where you're, you're correcting yourself. The third judgment is what we call the judgment seat of Christ, the third one up there. Where and you, when you talk about that, you go over there to Second Corinthians. Well, you're in First Corinthians. Go to Second Corinthians chapter five, verse number ten. Second Corinthians five, verse ten. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Uh, you go Romans 14, the only two places in Scripture where the judgment seat of Christ is talked about, and there Paul talks about them, over there in Romans 14, where he says we must all stand before the judgment seat, all give an account of ourselves and so forth. And uh, so you have the third one is the judgment seat of Christ. What's interesting about that one is in 1 Corinthians 3, when he says, hey, what's going to happen there, and the event details are given to us, the rapture happens, we meet the Lord in the air. That's what the meeting is. He says, you're going to have, if any man, uh, 1 Corinthians 3, verse um, 12, just now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble, Every man's work shall be uh, made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Okay, so we're looking not at quantity, we're looking at quality. But the interesting thing about gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble, well, we know from our studies in the past here Proverbs tells us that gold, silver, and precious stones is wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. That's what it equates to. So we're not talking about, we're talking about building. That's activity. But what is the activity? Studying the scriptures. See? Getting the doctrine into you. You know, if you take the doctrine, I, I know there's a lot of hubbub right now going on in circles about the judgment seat of Christ. But if you take in the doctrine. And by the way, 2 Corinthians 5, the we, is Paul talking to the church, the body of Christ, not the little flock. Okay? It's a shame that you have to, would be taught that you have to, every other verse might not be talking to you, written by the Apostle Paul, when Galatians 3 clearly says that there is no Jew nor Greek, no bond nor free, no male nor female, we're all one in Christ. And that's too bad that that has gotten out there, but it has. So how do you defeat that, or how do you combat that? Well, gold, silver, and precious stones has to do with wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. It's fascinating to me when you look at Proverbs says that, 
What's important for the nation of Israel? Wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. What's important for us? Wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. To me, it's fascinating that both fit. Now, when you bring on board the wisdom, understanding, and knowledge and get the sound doctrine built into you, the, the Romans 6 and the identification doctrines, we're getting into them on Sunday morning, Sunday school, we're going to see that once those doctrine, that identification doctrines get into you, your natural response is going to go and be a servant of righteousness. And what does a servant do? Works. That's why Ephesians 2, 10, there's some good works that we should be doing. That's why Ephesians 4, verse 1, he says, I got a vocation for you. To, a vocation, a job. That's why in Titus 3, he says to Titus, constantly confirm, reaffirm the issue of good works. Now, the good works don't come... What happens with people is they skip Romans 6, 7, and 8, and they run right to 12 to go to work, and they're working out of the energy of their own flesh. Well, what would wood, hay, and stubble be? The energy of your own flesh. What gets burnt up in the fire? The wood, hay, and stubble. So if you get a prideful mind that, hey, I'm going to climb the ladder or get a better position, what's going to happen at this meeting to that? It's going to become ash. So that all that's left is your true capacity of your inner man. But that capacity, when you build that in there, naturally is going to drive you to do Ephesians 4.12. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. So guess what? There's a work to be done. So when you hear guys talk about this stuff, and they get off on this, well, you're just grace plus works now stuff. You just kind of go, whatever. Because actually what they're missing, and it's a shame because I've seen some of my friends get caught into this stuff here lately, is that my friends that are getting caught into it and the preacher doing it don't know anything or have not taught anything about the identification truths of Romans 6, 7, and 8. They've completely just jumped to a, a position, and it's like, wait a minute. If by nature we know who we are in Adam, Romans 5, 12 and following, and then by nature now we learn who we are in Christ, just as your natural response to the, today's events is to get angry and mad or, or hoot and holler or whatever, by nature, what were you going to do? What does 2 Corinthians 5, 14 say? The love of Christ constrains us. Because we thus judge, we think a certain way. He died for everybody. So because he died for me, did all this for me in the free gift of his grace, it's a no-brainer to go serving. So cross, you got a self-judgment, taking inventory of yourself. Third one is the judgment seat of Christ. The fourth one is this part right here, the 70th week of Daniel. The fourth is the judgment of the nation of Israel in the tribulation. Uh, come over to Isaiah 10. Come back to Isaiah 10. I've got to stay on target here to get done. Isaiah 10. And if you look at Isaiah 10, in verse number 5, 
This time period, the 70th week of Daniel, is called the time of Jacob's trouble. Remember? You with me? Isaiah 10, verse 5. O Assyrian, the rod of my anger, the staff in their hand is my indignation. I will send him against a hypocritical nation and against the people of my wrath will I give him a charge to take the spoil and to take the prey and to tread them down like the mire of the streets. Howbeit he meaneth not so, neither doth his heart think so, but it is in his heart to destroy and cut off the nations, not a few. That passage right there is talking about the Antichrist and what he will be doing to the nation of Israel during the seven years, during the 70th week of Daniel. So the fourth judgment is where Israel is going to be judged in the, during the tribulation. Um, if you come over to, I'll give you another passage, Ezekiel 20. Ezekiel 20, Ezekiel 20, verse 37, Ezekiel 20, verse 37, he says, And I will cause you to pass under the rod, and I will bring you into the bond of the covenant, and I will purge out from you among the rebels, I'm sorry, purge out from among you the rebels, and them that transgress against me. That's Isaiah 10.5. That's the Antichrist. That's the time of Jacob's trouble. That's judgment number four. Okay? Judgment number five is where we're at in Matthew, and I did it up here, in Matthew 25. And judgment number five is the judgment of the nations at the end of the tribulation when Christ comes back. Okay? And that's where we're at in Matthew 25. We'll say some more here on that in just a minute. Then you have the thousand year uh, where Lucifer, Satan, is bound and gagged and tossed off. Come over with me to Jude 6. Okay? Then you have the great white throne judgment. And judgment 6 and 7 happen out there at this time. Jude, what did I tell you? Jude, all right, you need Jude 6 and Revel, Jude 6. And the angels which kept not their first estate but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the day of, uh, unto the judgment of the great day. So you have the judgment of the fallen angels, okay? Revelation 20, here's the great white throne judgment. Revelation 20, verse 12 to 15, verse 11 to 15, but just look at verse 12. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. So you see that issue there about the great white? This is where the lost of all ages 
is judged. But notice verse 13. And the sea gave up the dead that were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. 21.1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And there was no more sea. That issue of the sea... That's where these guys, that's that Jude 6, where they're held in chains. They're held in that, that water outside of the universe. You think about the universe being in a container. You've got deep up here. You've got the deep down here. Got the earth, third heaven up here. Down here is where he's holding those angels that fell in Noah's day. They left their first estate. And he's got them in chains of darkness until what day? The great white throne judgment. So you've got two things going on at the great white throne judgment. The lost, you've got death and hell delivered in. The, deep deliver, the sea delivers in. And everybody goes to the lake of fire. Okay? Did I lose you? I'm trying to go slow. i got slow down, big. All right, so you've got those seven judgments. The, by the way, these are they're different, they're distinct. And the one that we're dealing with here, and go back to Matthew 25 now, is that issue there of the judgment of the nations that takes place when Christ comes back to the earth and to, to, to set up his throne. Again, in his second coming... There's the new covenant is being established. There's resurrection happening. There's whole lengths of things going on. One of them is this judgment, verse 31. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all the nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. Now, these guys, they're distinct. This is happening when he comes back to the earth, sets up his kingdom. And uh, again, by the way, when you think about that word judgment, it's not always a bad day. The judgment seat of Christ for you and I will not be a bad day. It'll be a glorious day. One, we're in our new bodies. We know what's happening. We understand the flow. And we're shedding off that last little bit of, of, of that old sin man thing. You know, it's gone. So it's a beautiful day. It's a glorious day. And we're there, Ephesians 2 says, we're seated in heavenly places. And we're there, verse 7, to manifest his glory for the ages to come. It's fantastic. Um, this judgment of the nations, again, takes place at the second coming of Christ. It's not the, it is not the last judgment of the lost. That is the great white throne judgment that's going to take place after that millennial, the first thousand years. And how you know that is that this judgment here in Matthew 25, there is no resurrection. The great white throne judgment, there is a resurrection Death and hell in the sea deposit. So they're coming up. There's a resurrection. Uh, this judgment is all living people. 
great white throne judgment are dead, small and great, and uh, they're going to stand before God. Uh, this judgment involves the nations, okay? The one out in great white throne judgment involves individuals. At this judgment, no books are open. At the great white throne judgment, the books are open. <laughs> I, I did a study years ago on the books of God, and uh, that, that's where we're at. Um, this judgment here in Matthew 25 is on the earth. The great white throne judgment, heaven and earth fl fleed, fled away, and, uh, they're, and they're gone. This one has three classes of people in it. You have the Jews, and then you've got the Gentiles busted out into saved and lost saved. Saved and lost. So you've got the Jews, but then the Gentiles are busted into the sheep and the goats. Okay? So you've got three groups of people. My brethren, the sheep and the goats. Okay? The Jews, the Gentiles saved, Gentiles lost. All right? The, this judgment takes place before the kingdom, before the thousand years is up and running. They're getting ready. Great white throne judgment occurs after the kingdom has been set and running. So a thousand years separate these two judgments. All right? So when you come back to Matthew 25, verse 32, and before him shall be gathered all nations. A couple things on that here quickly. Come back with me to Numbers. When he says all the nations, come back with me to Numbers 23. Just run some verses here quickly. <clears throat> I didn't know how long the on the board was going to take, so I got a lot of information here. <laughs> so... I went a little longer on that judgment seat thing because that's a big topic right now online. Numbers, I tell you what, the most dangerous place to be is online. It really is. I, I was, I've been thinking about and developing a message about just stay off of online. I'm talking about YouTubes and Facebooks and everything because it's, and social media because it quickly pulls you away from Scripture. So anyway, Numbers 23, look at verse 9. 23.9, for and uh, this is Balaam, Balak and Baal, okay? And Balaam, verse 1, Balaam said unto Balak, build me here seven altars and prepare me here seven oxen and seven rams. And Balak and Balak are going to, Balaam and Balak are going to go at it. Verse 8, every time Balaam went to bless or curse Israel, he ends up blessing them, okay? He finally got down to the end and Balak was ready to kill him. And he told Balak how to get God to curse Israel. And that was to set up Baal worship, and which is what he did. Verse 9, for from the top of the rocks I see him, that's Israel, and from the hills I behold him, Israel. Lo, the people shall dwell alone and shall not be reckoned among the who? The nations. Okay? So the... In Matthew 25, when he says the nations were pulled in front of him, gathered in front of him, come over to Zechariah 14, he's not talking about Israel. Israel is, set us, is not in this issue here at all. Zechariah 14, okay? 
Why? Because Numbers 23.9 says they're not numbered among. They're the head, not the tail. They're the lender, not the lendee. They're God's people, so they are never numbered. That'll help with you in Matthew 25 over there when they go out into the nations preaching. That's not Israel. That's Israel, the true Israel of God, going out to the Gentiles. Zechariah 14, verse 1. Zechariah 14, 1. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. How many nations? All of them. And the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished. And half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. Notice, they're gonna, he, how many nations are going to be gathered to come up against Jerusalem? All of them, okay? Isaiah 34, flip over there. The nations are going to be gathered during the tribulation period of time to come and fight against uh, Jerusalem. They're going to actually come and fight against the Lord. They're going to take Jerusalem, uh, Isaiah 34, and those will be the armies. He, he says over there to the, to the nations out there, gather your armies, beat your plowshares into swords, and let's go. It's time for war. Let's go. And that's what's happening. Um, that, by the way, that's the only place you'll ever see any, any reference, if you, and it's a stretch to make it, to the United States of America. <laughs> And it's not in a good reference either, so you can take that and put it in your pipe and smoke it, as they say, okay? Isaiah 34, 1. Come near, ye nations, to hear, and hearken, ye people. Let the earth hear, and all that is therein, the world, and all things that come forth of it. There's a lot of passages, by the way, about, hey, Gentiles, pay attention. We're talking to you. <laughs> and uh, that's uh, not a, and here he's going to wipe them out. Verse 2, for the indignation of the Lord is upon all nations, and his fury upon all their armies. He hath utterly destroyed them. He hath delivered them to the slaughter. That's why you hear me say the people on the battlefield is a representation of the nations out there. It's the armies of the nations. So our boys go over, fight the United States Army, the military mechanisms go over and fight underneath that uh, behest of the adversary. They go to the Battle of Armageddon, the whole bit over there. But that is a representation of him dealing with his enemies at that time. So when you come back to Matthew, well, you know what, go to Joel. Got to see this in Joel. See, you got to know your Old Testament, folks. This stuff gets critical, especially when you're in the Gospels. Because what's he? What has he been doing back here? He's been getting them ready for this day. And for this day. Now, in Matthew 26, he's going to get them ready for that day. He says, "Hey guys, I'm going to go and die. You got to be ready for the Acts period, and you got to be ready to go through the 70th week of Daniel." And get into the kingdom, endure to the end. This is going to be hell, 
Here are the signs and you know where you're at. See that stuff happening? When I come back, he's, he skips this, doesn't know anything about us, and goes over here, see. Uh, Joel 3. Did you get there? Try to do all that so you find Joel. <laughs> and Monday nights, there's hardly any Bible flippers. They're all on their phones. They got apps, you know. <laughs> So I'm, I don't, I'm, so I move quick on Monday nights because I'm not waiting for them to get there. You know? <laughs> but uh, there's a few Bible turners. They still got the Bibles. But Joel 3, verse 1. For behold, in those days and in that time when I shall bring again the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem. So we're out here. I will also gather all nations and will bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat. Where, what is that? that? That valley of decision. There's the battle of Armageddon. And will plead with them there for my people and for my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. Why is the nation of Israel scattered? Acts 8. Because Joel 3 said they're going to be what? Scattered. Drop down to verse 11. Assemble yourselves and come, all ye heathen, and gather to themselves together round about thither, cause thy mighty ones to come, cause thy mighty ones to come down, O Lord. Let the heathen be wakened and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat, for there will I sit to judge all the heathen round about. Man, that is the end there. Come over to Zephaniah. Zephaniah 3. Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. Zephaniah 3. Zephaniah 3, verse 8. Zephaniah 3, 8. Zephaniah 3, verse 8. Therefore, wait ye upon me, saith the Lord. You know why he says, you guys, the patience of your soul, Peter says? The patience. Wait, wait, wait. And he that endures to the end, the, the saints behind the altar cry, how long? And he says, wait. <laughs> Until the day that I rise up to the prey. For my determination is to gather the nations. Why? That I may assemble the kingdoms to pour upon them my indignation, even all my fierce anger, for all the earth shall be devoured with the fire of my jealousy. The Lord is going to, come back to Matthew 25, the Lord is going to gather all the nations together. He's going to sit in judgment on them. He's going to destroy the wicked. And uh, he's going to reward the righteous. And that's what we're going to see the rest of the chapter. So let's go back to, to, to Matthew 25. Okay? Matthew 25, 32. And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hands, but the goats on the left. Uh, you have to... Which one do you think's the good guys? The sheep on the right, this side. Yay! Woohoo! 
the goats, this side. Ooh. Oh. Ah, uh, no, it's my right hand. Ah, <laughs> uh, look, listen to that. They're working me already. All right. By the way, there, that's that thing about being a, the, the saying about an old goat, you know. That's actually found in Ezekiel, but anyway. In, in Scripture, who are usually called the sheep? Israel. This is the only passage that I'm aware of and I've been looking, where Gentiles are referred to as sheep, is right here. This is the only passage. And he calls them that because they are fixing to become participants in the Abrahamic blessing. And they are about to become identified with the true Israel of God. And they're going to be identified with Abraham's seed. So he calls them sheep. Then shall the king say unto a, to them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. This is start, this starts in Genesis 1, in the creation. That the goal was to God to establish a kingdom. Now, what do you do in a kingdom? You rule and reign. Okay? Now, come back real quick to Genesis 12. Genesis 12, because this is the verse to write down by this verse. When he says, Come ye, blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you for, uh, from the foundation of the world. Genesis 12 and verse number 3. In the, the Abrahamic covenant, verse 2, he says to Abraham, I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and they, thou shalt be a blessing. I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So in this last event here, that's now going to impact the Gentile world, what does he say? Goats and sheep, since it's my right hand, you can figure out what you want to be, okay? I'm going to, now I'm going to announce the long-waited, they've been waiting since, since the world, since the, from the foundation of the world, go back to Matthew 25, this long-awaited Abrahamic blessing of in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Which, by the way, that's interesting because you know what Paul says the same thing over there in Galatians? He says, hey, he preached the gospel to Abraham and what the gospel to Abraham was, and these shall all the families of the earth be blessed. <laughs> that's like, boom. So what you now have in the rest of Matthew 25 is you have verse 34 being authenticated, being tested and tried out in the throne room. Watch what he says, verse 34. But it's also the scenario here where you can, where they're going to be fulfilling some things during the 70th week. Now watch this. This judgment is after the 70th week. He is looking back into those seven years. 
Okay? He's not looking back here. He's not looking back here. He's looking right there. Okay? You follow that? He's here looking into that. Because watch what he says. Verse 35. For I was a hungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. See that list there? Now, you go over to James 2, verse 14 through 16 there, where James talks about this. He says, What does it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and hath not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, and, and so forth, that's James writing to the little flock on how to take care of one another. And you know what the Lord says? I was in that condition. I was, back in Matthew 25, I was hungry, I was thirsty, I was a stranger, I was naked, I was sick, and I was in prison. All of those attributes of everything that's going to happen to them during the 70th week, if they don't take the mark of the beast, which the mark of the beast gets in, employed in the midst of the week there, what can they not do? Buy and sell. They can't commer commerce, right? So if they can't commerce, what can they not do? They can't find anything to eat or drink. They can't find clothing. Their clothes are going to wear out. They're going to do all of this is going to happen to them, okay? You follow? So, so he's not looking anywhere else but right there. So these are the Gentiles in the... 70th week, because look at verse 37. Then shall the righteous answer him. Notice they're not sheep. They are what? Righteous. See that? They are called righteous. They're going to say, Lord, when saw we thee a hungered and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? Notice what they ask. When in the world did this happen, Lord? When did we see you, Lord, do this? Verse 40. And the king shall answer. Notice he's the king. <laughs> shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Where were they? They were underneath that tribulation gun, weren't they? The Antichrist, that rod of his indignation, they're being persecuted, that, that time of Jacob's trouble. And what happens? There's a bunch of Gentile nations out there, some, I can't say a bunch, some, we don't know how many, and what are they going to do? They're going to come over, and they're going to be a shelter in the time of trouble for them. And they're going to come in, and they're going to take care of the least of these my brethren. Now, think about Israel in the tribulation, the book of the Revelation. They, are, they say they're, of Jew, they're Jews, but they're really of the synagogue of Satan. Remember that passage? 
They're not the overcomers. They're the guys over here living high on the hog. What have they done? They've taken the mark. First of all, they ratified the agreement with the Antichrist for one week, Daniel 9, 27. Then they come over and they take the mark of the beast. They've got food on the shelf. So in James 2, when the guy knocks on the door, what do they say? Get out of here, you homeless so-and-so. Go in peace. And they don't take care of him. So these guys are apostate Israel who are living high on the hog, as they would say. Okay? I don't know if you can live high on a hog, but that's what they say. <laughs> All right? Hogs, anyway. So they're, they are, they're the guys that when, when the little flock member would come into the temple, they would make him sit way in the back, and they would bring the fancy rich pants guys down front. Huh? Paul. Paul, okay. That's what they would do. They would, they would, they are the religious, yeah, I did the same thing, religious guys, okay? When did we do this? When you did it to the least of these, my brethren. You did what? You did it to me. Genesis 12. I'll bless them that bless thee. I'll curse them that curse thee. Because what are you? You're going to be a blessing to the families of the earth. Then, uh-oh, shall he say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Well, there's Revelation 20. <laughs> So run over there to Revelation 20 just real quick. Everlasting fire. How long is that fire going to burn? For a long time. Uh, Mark 9 over there, they say, Where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Isaiah 66. Revelation 20 here. If you look there at, oh, getting get in 20, not 19. 20, look at verse 10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Verse 14, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Where are these guys cast off into? The lake of fire. Instant judgment. No great white throne judgment to argue their case. Instant judgment. Because what did they not do? Matthew 25, verse 42. For I was a hungered, and ye gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me not in. Naked, and ye clothed me not. Sick, and in prison, and ye visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee a hungered, and a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, were in prison, and did not minister unto thee. Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye did it not to one of the least of these, ye did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. Instant judgment. Off it wa Off they go. They go right into the lake of fire. There's no more hope for these guys. Okay? Now, in the thousand years, there are still Gentiles out here that they're going to come and witness to and minister to. 
that were not a part of this group. Okay? There's peoples, people groups. There will be nations that don't have armies or whatever to go and be represented on the field. <laughs> whatever it is, okay? The thing in this passage is in verse 41 again. Real quick here. Prepared for the devil and his angels. When you think about hell, hell in the Old Testament had two compartments, Abraham's bosom and torments, okay? Abraham's bosom is paradise. Today you'll be with me in paradise. Eventually somewhere along the realm after his ascension, but before Paul's called up there in, in uh, uh, 2, Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians 12, okay? Acts 20-ish, right in the middle there. Paradise is moved from the heart of the earth into the third heaven, okay? When it happens, I can't tell you. I just know that it's his ascension. Between his ascension and Paul in uh, 2 Corinthians 12, uh, which is about Acts 20-ish, right in there, it takes place. Now, some say he took it with him. Fine. It's okay. It's, it's all right. Either way, it's not longer in the heart of the earth. Isaiah says that hell will enlarge itself. Okay? So you've got all of that. But the kicker in verse 41 is the original reason that hell was created was not for sinful man because man was not sinful when it was created. It was created for who? The devil and his angels. So now we go back to Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth, verse 2, was what? Without form and void. That judgment terminology. Second coming terminology, actually. So in between 1.1 and 1.2... There's the rebellion of Lucifer and his angels, the devil and his angels. And to stop the rebellion, God created hell, everlasting pun, uh, the lake of fire, I should say, everlasting fire, a fire that can never be quenched, and a fire that's designed to deal, to torment the soul, the supernatural, the, the spiritual, okay? That stops the rebellion in heaven of the heavenly host, okay? So then you have elect angels and you have fallen angels, the saved guys and the lost guys. There's no chance for a fallen angel to ever become an elect angel because the angels have no savior. They have no redeemer. They've made a choice. They've been judged in that. They're just living out their term. They're just waiting for it to fall. So the kicker in 25, Matthew 25, their verse 41 and all this, is that issue that he goes all the way back over here to Genesis 1-1 and says, you turkeys get the lake of fire that I created way back there to stop the devil and his angels, and you turkeys get the kingdom that we've been talking about since Genesis 1-3. Or Chapter, day six, with man. <laughs> okay? The last event here on this timeline, come back to Matthew 25 if you're not there. Yes, sir. 
Okay, the turkeys are. <laughs> okay, yeah, the, the turkeys are. Uh, that's a subliminal read between the lines. <laughs> no, the turkeys are my term. So the goats, you get the goats. That's you, the goat. You got the lake of fire, and you sheep. You get the, you know, you righteous. You get the. Uh, Depart from me, ye cursed, and let's pray and be done. <laughs> Just kidding. So the, the, the great thing is in this passage is it shows, one, the, the, the implementation of the Abrahamic blessing. You bless them, I'll bless you. Two, it's talking specifically about that 70th week. So there is activity in the 70th week that some of the Gentile nations are going to bless and some are going to specifically curse. And I, I said this a minute ago, there are other Gentiles because if you read where he says, I was a stranger and you took me not in, that's very specific. See, the whole Gentile creation doesn't deal with him like that, okay? It's very specific. When, when the least of these my brethren, so think about the seven churches in Revelation 2 and 3. Where are we at geographically? Mediterranean Sea, that Mediterranean area. So personal opinion, personal belief is that the Gentiles he's dealing with are those Gentiles around the Mediterranean here because what do they have the opportunity to deal with? That scattered little flock, specifically. He's not talking about Russia, China. He's not talking about America, South America, the African continent. He, he's talking about maybe Egypt, but he deals with them specific, special. But that the, where you see those seven churches listed out, personal opinion from study and kind of logically trying to f go down through it, for me, the simple answer is that's the Gentile nations he's dealing with around that. So you're dealing with Turkey, Greece, Mesopotamia, uh, the Mas all Macedonia, all that in there. Some are going to be good, others are not. Because then in Matthew 28, he's going to send them out to go out to the, the world. Okay, does that make sense? Uh, you think about it, you come up with a better answer, I'm all ears for it because I enjoy trying to have something solidified in some of this, in my own thinking, okay? So just know that we, now in 26, we'll start next week, and now we're going to shift to the Lord being the son of Abraham, as he's now going to go to Calvary and die, be buried and rose again, rise again the third day, okay? All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the evening. We thank you for your word, that we can study it, we can enjoy it, we can rejoice in it, and we can live in it. In your name we pray, amen.